0: You're listening to the Tworkin Report, and I'm your host Scott Tworkin. On today's program, I spoke with Dr. Rob Davidson, who made national headlines by confronting Vice President Mike Pence about Republicans' planned cuts to healthcare spending in a video recorded in an encounter earlier this year in his role as the leader of the committee to protect Medicare. He's not just a political activist fighting to ensure that the people have medical care, not just the powerful and privileged. He also is a doctor working on the front lines of the coronavirus crisis in his Michigan hospital right now. His report on the situation there with COVID-19 patients is grim, and he's not taking the problem sitting down. The committee released an open letter for every doctor in America to sign that demands a widespread national testing regimen, quick federal action for a national shelter-in-place order, and to get Trump to finally use the National Defense Production Act for personal protection equipment, ventilators, and testing production. Please take a listen to my interview with Dr. Rob Davidson. I'm here with Dr. Rob Davidson, an emergency room doctor in Western Michigan and the executive director of the Committee to Protect Medicare. Here to talk about the impact of the coronavirus crisis in America on the patients that he's treating. Dr. Davidson, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing, you know, we're doing as well as we can be, you know, Uh, obviously, obviously here. Your state went from two coronavirus cases on March 10th to over 1300 as of yesterday. I'd like to start by asking what is the impact of like test rationing on quality of care to the patients you're seeing and how does that impact the spread of COVID-19?
1: You know, I think the biggest thing is that uh, symptomatic patients, you know, patients that we look at and think they have a really decent chance of uh, being infected with this virus really can't get testing unless they're in some very high risk groups. Um, so people get admitted to the hospital uh, with sus- you know suspicion for coronavirus who don't have a, a clear alternate diagnosis. They'll get tested. Uh, folks who are immunocompromised, um, healthcare workers, frontline healthcare workers and emergency services workers. Will get tested with symptoms, um, but really short of that, um, if you have symptoms and we think you may have it, and you don't fit into those very narrow categories. You know, because of the lack of testing across the country, certainly here in Michigan, um, we tell you to go home and self isolate for you know three days after the uh, the disappearance of your fever. So that's basically how we're managing these folks and. You know, for the most part, people have agreed to do that. We're just really hoping that they, in fact, follow those instructions, because obviously if they have it, they're obviously able to infect many other people if they're out in public. Um, so those folks, it would be nice to have a test to prove they had it. It would be certainly nice to have a test to prove they didn't have it. And then perhaps they could join normal society and not worry about passing it along. So it's really, really tighter our hands behind our backs. I'm
0: super curious about because he doubled down on this in his uh, virtual town hall uh, and also did talking about, you know, basically medicine that can act like Dayquil sort of uh, to people with coronavirus. And so, uh, you know, using that hydrochloroquine or, or whatever it's called last week, Trump made drug recommendations. And also today he did the same thing on national television, this time in a sit down kind of situation since then. Sadly, at least three people have died from self-medicating, according to the president's advice. Do you believe that we need new laws or rules to prevent Trump or any future president from offering unsound medical advice? And what do you think about the whole situation of him talking about, you know, companies and medicine? Like, it just seems very kooky to me.
1: Right. I mean, a few years back, doctors were told to stay in our lane by the NRA when it came to gun control. Right. But I mean, and and we rightfully said, wait, this is our lane. Right. This is what we see. This is what we do. So we're in our lane. But this is true for politicians when it comes to giving uh, medical advice. I mean, it's just stay in your lane. You know, if you want your medical professionals, you had two of them on that stage most of the time, although Fauci hasn't been on the stage the last few days. But Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci are fully capable of giving medical advice. And he can even ask them, hey, can you mention this hydroxychloroquine deal? Because there are anecdotal I don't know if you call them studies, but there's anecdotal data that suggests perhaps very, very small numbers in France, maybe it might help. And I think you could get someone like Fauci to speak to that and say, listen, we are hopeful We are, and they're now running trials, looking at that in conjunction with azithromycin and that is what you do and, and we need to fast track those trials and they can't be months and months, they have to be over maybe weeks and if we see promise. I know that, I, I've, I've talked to doctors across the country from coast to coast here in Michigan as well and some are utilizing these drugs off-label in a controlled environment in very sick patients under cardiac monitoring in appropriate doses because they feel like, you know, if these people are dying, there's maybe nothing else we can do. Why don't we try it? I mean, that that happens in medicine all the time. But again, it's done in a controlled way with the understanding of what to look for as far as side effects. So I think that's troubling. I mean, I've been an advocate to eliminate direct-to-consumer marketing of prescription drugs altogether because I don't think drug companies should be giving their recommendations to people, you know, and the Super Bowl ads on what drugs they should be, you know, asking their doctor to prescribe. I certainly don't think the president should be giving recommendations on drugs that haven't been studied or vetted for a specific purpose.
0: Find out more about Meet the Candidates 2020, my new book series of voter guides authored by Dworkin Report producer Grant Stern. It's the only place you can read my opinion and a factual portrait of each major Democratic candidate in one place. Buy the book now at the link inside this episode's notes at grantstern.com or your local Barnes & Noble. Thanks again for your support. Let's get back to the show. For some of our listeners out there, when are uh, our grandparents allowed to see their grandchildren again, I guess? Is there going to be a time frame? Uh, is it going to be a few months or do we not know yet?
1: Again, I think that goes hand in hand with the testing regimen that we need to employ. If we can really ramp up that testing and prove that those kids don't have it and and, and establish what that means, does that mean one test and another one a week later? Does that mean one test and two weeks of no symptoms prior to the test? It's probably somewhere in that range. And if you can do that and prove it, because we know, we know from data coming out of South Korea, China, Italy, and I think in this country now, too, that asymptomatic individuals can transmit the virus. And so the last thing we need is these kids. I mean, kids. I don't know if you have kids. I have kids that are older now. I mean, they're like perma's not all winter long, anyways. So they're they've, they're coughing and crud, and who knows if it's allergies or just a cold. Um, but if they happen to have the coronavirus and they give it to their seventy-year-old grandparent, you know, that's a, a somewhere around an eight to ten percent mortality rate for that grandparent uh, from from contracting this disease. Um, so again, the test. I mean the testing is just, you know, it's a failure from two months ago. It's really not something that we need to talk about anymore. We beat that to death, but going forward, that is the only way we see our, we believe the only way we see our way out of this by truly testing as many people as possible, letting epidemiologists do the modeling that they know how to do to determine who's safe, who's not safe. I think it's the quickest way to open up schools, open up business, get grandparents and their grandkids back together again, and get us back to some semblance of normalcy.
0: Is there any kind of uh, medical advice you'd give our listeners in regards to keeping safe in this time of crisis, especially for this week? Uh, I, kn- I know a lot of people are talking about stay home. Like, is this the week where we need to hunker in the most? Like, what what advice would you give us for the next two weeks specifically?
1: Probably the next two weeks, and stay home as much as you can. I know here in Michigan, our governor issued a stay home, stay safe order, essentially a shelter in place order, unless you have essential business. And if you're out, then maintain the six foot distance. You know, it's it's all about. Anytime you get a package, to open it up outside, wash your hands thoroughly afterward, and and bring the items in. Um, again, six feet if you're going out on walks with your dog or with your kids, maintain six feet from other people, and now apparently from their pets because the virus can get on the hair of the pet. So if you're petting a dog on a long leash, because you think dogs can't get the virus, well they can still carry it around in their fur, so you want to avoid that. Um, but it's really to be so diligent right now and and we're kind of in waiting mode for the testing, you know, regimen to ramp up so then we can know. You know, if we get through two weeks without symptoms, you're almost sure almost sure that you don't have it because you haven't exhibited symptoms yet. Uh, now, folks who have essential jobs, like myself as an emergency doctor, you know, I change my clothes at work. When I leave, put them in a bag, bring the bag, right, put it right in the washer and wash it on hot water, come home and take a shower before I talk to or touch anybody in my family. And the minute I display any symptoms, my job will pull me off the line and get me tested and I will isolate myself in my basement away from my family until I can prove I'm negative or if positive until I come through it on the other side. I think people need to do that as well. If they have had exposure to a known positive or they have symptoms, lock, put themselves away in a corner of their basement or their house somewhere, have people deliver food to their door and don't interact with your family members uh, because you're gonna then get them sick. You need one person to go to the grocery store or the pharmacy, maybe get gas in your car. You know, you need to have have those provisions in place.
0: And I figure on a parting note, uh, something positive that you can give us uh, right now, if, if there's much of anything.
1: Yeah, I think the positive is this: uh, we have so many people in the front lines of healthcare, education, and and frankly in our government that do have the best interests of the most people in mind. You know, not only the people in healthcare putting themselves on the line and putting themselves at risk, but I do think we have people in Washington, people at our state levels that are looking out for everyone. And you know, I think we need to amplify those voices. I think we need to advocate together so we can get those voices heard instead of the voices that are kind of. Pursuing an alternate agenda for either big corporations or for you know business above the health and welfare of people, I think that's been inspiring to me to see that come out both on social media, on on you know earned media that you see out there on TV all the time, and then just in my own in my own hospital, in my own community, uh, people want to do what's right for each other. I think the more we get out the stay home message, people send me messages all the time. I want to help. What else can I do besides stay home? And the answer is kind of not really anything. And don't don't think of that as a passive activity. Think of that as a very active participation in getting rid of this thing and, and getting us through to the other side.
0: You can follow Dr. Rob Davidson, DR, Rob Davidson uh, on Twitter. And then also you can visit his website at the Committee to Protect, uh, Medicare org, And we'll have that in the episode notes as well. Dr. Davidson, thank you so much for sparing some time for us, giving some hope and uh, providing some information. We really appreciate it. All right.
1: Thanks a lot, Scott. Keep doing what you're doing.
0: I'd like to thank Dr. Rob Davidson for joining me on the show. I'd like to thank our producer, Grant Stern. You can follow him at Grant Stern. To read our books on Bernie and Biden, go to meetthecandidates2020.com. You can visit our website at dworkinreport.com. Thanks again for listening. Keep resisting.
1: Onward!